Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and as i wish all of you a happy new year i'm delighted to bring you this week's show which includes four amazing women we kick off with marguerite alazasa in her first year, she led UCLA to the NCAA Division I Women's National Championship. She'll kick off the show. After her, we're so pleased to have Big D, Donna Fisher, who does so much. She is part of the training ground. She'll talk about an article she submitted, and she's part of two presentations at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. What Drives Winning? led by Becky Burley, the former superstar head coach at Florida. She'll be involved in four presentations at the convention behind the What Drives Winning mentality. And then, of course, Celia Slater from True North Sports. She has been involved with the association for a long time. She is running the assistant coach's diploma, which has 10 different sessions attached to it. She'll break down all 10 of them. Simply amazing. So there you have it. Marguerite Alazasa. Donna Fisher, Becky Burley, Celia Slater. Coming up next after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps by the reigning national champion head coach for D1 women in her first season, Marguerite Awazasa, the head coach of the UCLA Bruins. They beat North Carolina at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina to give Marguerite and the Bruins the national championship. This is now interview 99 for Marguerite Alazas after winning that national championship. Thanks for always having time for us at the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And let me be the, I don't know, 100,000 person that has said congratulations to you, Marguerite. Well done. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's I couldn't have written my first season better. Yeah, incredible because I started the season with you. If you remember, you played at Duke and I had that game. And then for you to be down the road from where I live to win the national championship, just you know, I know people have asked you this over and over, but just kind of walk me through the ride and then the celebration with, with, of course, you had to have the Gatorade bath, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a good Gatorade bath and then a second just pure <laughs> ice water. So that was, it was already cold, but it was still, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, the whole season was kind of a dream. I mean, 
like to start off so strong, to get wins at North Carolina, to get a win at Duke at the beginning of season. I think that gave us some glimpse of kind of what could happen through the year. But as we all know, like so many things have to fall into place. So many things kind of have to go right. And so season went on. We learned a lot during the year. We changed so much and evolved. I think from game, game one to game 20, we were a completely different team. Then we went into playoffs. Um, we kind of had the, a full just grab bag of every experience you could have during playoffs. We went to PKs in just the second round against a very, very good uh, UCF team. So that was exciting. I think we went to overtime two other times. Like it was kind of just a whirlwind, but I wasn't really excited at any point during the season until we got to the final four. And that was just because in my eyes, like once you get to the final four, kind of anything is possible. But until then, like winning a championship just isn't realistic. But once you get there, it's like, all right, now we can just like anyone can win two games. And so we went out there, played a very good game against Alabama, probably one of our best games of the entire season. So that was very encouraging going into the final. But going into the final, I was like, we have to play UNC again, basically at UNC. I'm like, we did this once already. Like, you know, it's so hard to beat a good team twice. And, you know, we as a staff had to really think like, are we going to kind of try to do what we did the first time that was successful, or are we going to do something different? And we decided to go with something different. Um, our team was playing with a lot of confidence. Obviously things kind of changed. Like we're zero, zero at half. We kind of give our tactical adjustments, whatever it is. We didn't account for going down to zero in halftime or at halftime. We didn't account for that. And so it was such a funny experience because in some weird way, I was watching like everybody else, because it's like, what real control do we have on the sideline? Like when we have 9,000 fans cheering against us, we have, we go down to zero without the opportunity to have a timeout or anything like that. We made some adjustments with personnel and we basically put the onus on our players to, you know, we coached one or two players that were out, put them in and we're like, Hey, you got to tell everybody this is what we're doing. And they went with it. And thankfully our team, like they just showed such resilience, such determination, such maturity to tackle a, a two zero deficit in a way that like they just felt like they weren't going to lose and to kind of watch that was so incredible and then obviously to score in overtime like I don't know I actually don't know if I like cried harder when we scored the second goal to tie or if we when we scored the go-ahead goal like all of us were just so overcome with emotion I think and then what I've after now having a few weeks of reflecting like the most special part about this whole thing for me was just watching our team celebrate and watching my assistants celebrate. Like I've had the great fortune of winning championships before. And I don't know if you'll ever have your first championship, ever have that feeling again. So watching my assistants have that feeling for the first time, watching my players have that feeling for the first time was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, if you remember the player that scored the winning goal, she was crying like as it happened, uh, kind of knowing what it meant. And that was raw, real emotion. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah, her name's Mari Carmen. She cries a lot. Like we kind of joke. <laughs> just, she is such a passionate person, so heartfelt, has no issue being vulnerable, like just wears her emotions on her sleeve. So when she's scored, like everyone was laughing. They're like, Mary, get it together. Are you okay? We eventually took her out, actually, because she just like could not stop crying. <laughs> um, and yeah, but for her too, like this was her se senior season, her last game. And to do that, like, I think she just felt a culmination of like every single thing she's worked for at UCLA just come to fruition in one moment. And it was so special. But yeah, she was crying. We were all crying. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, and you were so calm though, down to zero. And you're right in soccer, you can't call a timeout and they were panning to you, you a lot. You continue to remain calm. And, you know, as I've watched your kind of media tour, you even admitted down to zero, you weren't totally certain, but there was something about your team. There was something about your players, your leaders that made it happen. I'm glad we waited a little bit longer to interview you now that you've had even longer to reflect on the national championship. What was it about those final 10 minutes? Was there a player or two that stepped up or was it just all 11 plus the bench stepping up together in the final 10, final 16 seconds even? Yeah, I think it was everybody. I mean, we all know, right? Like soccer is a player's game. Like you don't have a ton of influence from the bench. All of our influence as coaches, we feel like comes through training. And what I was really proud about was um, our players, they kind of told us afterward, like what they were saying in the huddle, like after we went down to zero and what they were saying was like, you guys, we've trained this, like we've trained being down one zero, we've trained being down. Um, we know what to do. And one other thing kind of special through our season was that we actually never lost a game that we scored a goal in. And so I think our team knew that like, if we could score one goal, then we had a real chance of winning. And so I think they really just compartmentalized. They're like, okay, all we need to do is score one goal. This is when we went down. I think it was 15 minutes left. And so they're like, we've done this before, 10 minutes to go. Like, how do we get one goal? And we ended up scoring goal five minutes later. So then that left us with 10 minutes left, just one goal down, which is an exercise we do all the time in training, especially going to playoffs. And so what they told us is that that's what they were saying. Like, we've trained this. Like, we're ready. We're prepared. We can do this. We've done it before. We've done it 100 times in training. And they knew that, like, and um, I think another thing they kept saying is like play through every second. Like we just need one. We just need one. And so going into that last like play, those final seconds, I think that's they knew like this was our last chance. We we're going to make it happen. What can you tell us about the victory tour back in Westwood, about the UCLA athletic administration and what has to be unwavering support of what you did in just your first year. How has that been? Has it been, you know, just as incredible as I can imagine? Yeah, it's it's been overwhelming. I mean, I never considered myself like worthy of a media tour by any means. And so that part has been really cool. I think the support we had, the support we had on um, like on, upon our arrival was incredible. We just like we got off the bus. There was, you know, 50 people waiting for us with signs, with media, with cameras, everything. It was just incredible. And then I love the recognition that our, our players have gotten. Like that part has been really special. Kind of the greater LA community has been really supportive. They've recognized, you know, just like what that, what that goal, what that moment, what that game meant to UCLA. It was our 120th uh, national championship. So that was really cool. Like by the time, by the time we got back to the hotel, UCLA had already changed 119 to 120, like in our Hall of Fame. So that was really cool. Um, and then personally, like, I know for sure that I couldn't do what I've done this season without the people around me. And it's been really nice to see kind of all of us as a staff, as a team, as a program be recognized. 
Incredible. And, you know, look, as I think about you and you did win some national championships at Stanford, you know, as an assistant coach, but in your first year as a D1 head coach, you are shaking the hand with a man who has won 21 national championships, which is a lot, right? And you're just getting rolling. What do you remember about that handshake or anything after as you think about beating the legend Ants and Dorrance, like you said, just down the road, basically a home game for them? it's just funny. Like everything kind of comes full circle, right? Like Anson was a legend. Like even when I was playing, even when I was growing up, Anson was legendary. So it was very, um, like I was a bit starstruck. I will admit both in September and this time around. Um, but credit to Anson, like he was so gracious. He was so complimentary, um, and respect, like beyond respectful. Um, and he, like, I just have so much respect for that. And I was really appreciative, like even kind of early on in the season, he was in a weird way, like so encouraging to me. And I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, but like those things make such an impression on me. And I know as like a young coach, like those moments I'll always remember. So I really, you know, I'm appreciative of Anson, kind of how he approached the whole game, his assistant Damon as well, super supportive. And it's just kind of funny. Like I still don't consider myself kind of in that same category or whatever like group of coaches I know I have a have a lot to learn and a long way to go well I mean it's going to be tough to top this I, I know that other media members have asked you like how in the world do you <laughs> how do you top this you set the bar pretty high Marguerite yeah yeah I don't know what I was thinking uh, <laughs> it does, oddly it feels like it can only go down from here but um, you know obviously our goal is to repeat our, our players were kind of laughing they're like you know I know you're the first to win in your first year, but has anyone gone back to back in their first two years? I was like, oh boy, um, <laughs> that's kind of the running joke right now on our team. And then for me personally, like I'm super happy, like with our, with my decision to go to UCLA and just all the support I've had. So my goal is just like, can we do this consistently? Can we, regardless if we win the championship, can we be one of the most well-respected teams in the country, both on and off the field? And do I have this right? If I remember, you just got married, like right before you started the UCLA season. Do I have that right? Yeah, we, uh, my husband and I, we just celebrated our one year anniversary on the 18th. Incredible. And I took the job on the 28th or something like that. So yeah, it was a quick, quick turnaround. Well, happy anniversary to you and your husband for sure. And then speaking of extra love, as you know, the API coaches community, I got to believe Ashu Saksuena also reached out to you after you won the national championship. Yeah, um, Ashu, he reached out. I've had, again, this great outpouring of support. I think our API community, we had this incredible year because uh, uh, Tiffany from UCF, she won coach of the year, I think in her conference. Tracy won coach of the year in her conference. So it was a big year for API women. It was really exciting, um, but they've been fantastic. And I think I'm actually on a panel with, uh, with Bud from Hawaii at this upcoming convention. Oh, so that awesome. was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the perfect segue because coming up on this show, we have Becky Burley and we also have Celia Slater. And of course, you know, Celia, especially working on the coaching credentialing program, which means you've got to come to Philadelphia early. You're there from the ninth to the 14th. You'll be ready to get out of that cold and back to the West coast, I'm sure. But I can tell that being involved in this coaching credentialing program as a young coach was really important to you. Tell us what that means to you. Yeah, so the coaching credentialing program is really special because it's not, you know, about designing sessions. It's not necessarily about tactics and X's and O's. It's really about like 
what we do off the field and how to manage people, how to manage ourselves, how to create a culture. And what I found in my first year kind of on the job is that like 80% of my bandwidth is dedicated to that. Um, I'm very fortunate to have assistants that have kind of helped me pick up the slack on the field. But what I realized in my first couple months is like the priority had to be building the culture. And so that's kind of what this whole coaching credentialing program is about. And so we've had a few sessions already and I've absolutely loved it because it feels so applicable to kind of what we do on an everyday basis. So let's put a stamp on that as we are starting to wrap up our time with the reigning national champion head coach from UCLA, Marguerite Alazasa, who has just been just so amazing. This is so cool. But I know Patricia Hughes kind of got this coaching credentialing rolling. But if people are hearing about this for the first time, can you maybe put the stamp on why they should get involved? Again, I've done a lot of courses. I've kind of tried to stretch myself from an educational standpoint. And this is by far the most applicable course I've done. Like it really dives into kind of the heart of coaching, which is managing and building relationships. So I think any coach, old, young, experienced, not experienced, will really benefit from this course. All right, Marguerite. I think it'll also mean, and I may be wrong because sometimes they get it wrong, but I'm guessing you're going to be the national coach of the year, which means on that Friday night, I'll be up on that stage. And normally I do handshakes, but I might be looking for a hug from you on that one. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Marguerite Alzasa, the head coach for the UCLA Bruins in her first year, a national champion you'll see her all over the convention and marguerite you might have to hide a little bit because everybody's going to want to see you you know that right yeah it'll be fine it'll be the cap cap to my media tour <laughs> yeah amen yeah you, that, you know that's a good way to put it because you should enjoy it you should relish in it because you've earned it thank you so much for kicking off this week's podcast you're always accessible to united soccer coaches and i know on behalf of jeff van dusen and everybody there we appreciate you and once again we congratulate you well done marguerite Thank you, Dean. Four powerful women on this show. We just heard from Marguerite Alazasa. Up next, Donna Fischer just submitted an article for The Training Ground, and she will also be leading two big-time presentations at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Big D, Donna Fischer on The Bounce. This is Dean Linke, host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, and I want to remind you that it's not too late to register for the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. From January 11th through the 15th, connect with your soccer coaching community and enhance your resume at the Can't Miss event of 2023. Attend more than 200 education sessions taught by world-class instructors in addition to socials, meal functions, award ceremonies, and a huge exhibit hall offering the latest in coaching tech, equipment, and so much more. And don't forget to stop by and say hello to all of us on Podcast Row. I'll see you at the 2023 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. It's go time. Let's get to work. That's what you see when you go to Donna Fischer, known as Big D's website. Donna Fischer, people that listen to the United Soccer Coaches podcast know her well, but I'll remind you that Donna is considered an architect of team culture and player development. In today's society, it is coaches that have the greatest impact in an athlete's life. She preaches it and she follows it. And it's one of the reasons why she's become a staple at the convention and why she's one of the leaders on the newly created training ground, which was launched in September. She has submitted an article to the training ground. We're going to talk about that. And she will also be featured at the convention. As I just mentioned, we're going to talk about that too. 
We'll start with the article that's on the training ground. The title is What I Teach Athletes About Thoughts and Feelings. But before I do that, I welcome in Big D, Donna Fister. Always great to be with you, Donna. Dean, awesome to see you again. Awesome to spend some time together. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into these topics. I feel the same way, Big D. And let's start as we break down again the title one more time, What I Teach Athletes About Thoughts and Feelings. And the first question we have is people have different opinions, Big D, as to what percentage of the game is mental. Where do you start to try to convince them that it's a higher percentage than maybe they think? People have different opinions. But when you get down to it, and Michael Gervais, uh, he's a sports psychologist for Seattle Seahawks. I love him, consume most of all of his work. He says this, there's three things you can train. You can train your body, you can train your craft, which for us, that's soccer, right? And you can train your mind. And training the mind, he says, and this is a direct quote from one of his podcasts, uh, is training the mind is not extra. It's something you invest in on a regular basis. So we have to be weaving in a way into our practice sessions uh, and helping players process their thoughts and feelings versus, sorry, doing, doing like a one-off, you know, session. And then we think as coaches, okay, we check the box. They, they should get it now and, you know, be able to do this on their own. So what I do specifically to get, to get to your question is with both coaches and my athletes, I'll convince them this way that the mental game, uh, the mental side of the game is huge. I'll, I'll say, okay, what are, first, what are some thoughts and feelings you have about you, athlete, right? So, you know, I mean, the list could go on forever, but it's, well, I'm excited. I can't do this. I suck. All these thoughts and feelings about themselves, about their performance are always, and every time they answer, right, they say, I suck, I, you know, I might say, I might think I suck on a given day, okay? is that thought going to impact your next action? And they look at me like, you know, this, when I start going down these questions, you know, their eyes get big, it's like, yes, yes. Like every time I ask the same question, is that thought going to impact your next action? And the answer is always yes. Then I get to, okay, well, that's about you. What about thoughts and feelings about fill in the blank? So fill in the blank with everything else. It's your thoughts and feelings about the weather, about the, uh, the playing surface, your thoughts and feelings about your coach, about your teammates, about the opponent. And every single one of these, I'll say, does that thought or feeling, is that going to affect your next action? And the answer is always yes. So that's the way I kind of hook, line, and sinker them into convincing look, we've got to talk about this. If you're telling me every next action is being influenced by your thoughts and feelings, right, Dean? I mean, it's, it's hook, line, and sinker right there. The title for the training ground submitted for January by Donna Fister is what I teach athletes about thoughts and feelings. Donna, what is the most common problem you see athletes having with their thoughts? There's several things, but I would say top of the list. And you know me, I'm always trying to simplify things. I say I like to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can reach them, right? We've got to put things in a way that these kids can grasp it, understand it, and do something with it. This is 
this is what I see them, uh, the pro their problem first is they think their thoughts are them. Like they think they have a thought and they think it's actually their essence, like who they, who they are almost. When in reality, it might not be true, right? But they think it's true. If I think something, well, it's my brain, right? It, it must be true. And then the result of that is they give attention to it. They give all of their attention, almost being consumed by this thought. And then the problem is if it's negative, it's probably going to derail them, right? Take them away from their peak performance. And so first and foremost is I'm trying to convince them it's not necessarily true. And hey, you don't have to give your thought attention. And so I, I like to use metaphors. You know, Dan Abraham's used, uh, I love him. He, he uses a lot of metaphors. The brain works in metaphors. So I say, okay, look, you have a thought. And, you know, in the, the old, the old school, well, you and I age uh, old school comic, comic books, you know, but so I might have to draw it out for these kids, you know, these younger kids, <laughs> the thought bubble, right? The little, the little, the little circles come out of your head. And mm -hmm. then the thought of the person is like written out right there, you know, like put your thought in the thought bubble. So then it's, it's outside of you. It's like this, this, this metaphor of it's outside of you. So it's not you anymore. And now I can look at it and I can decide what I want to, what I want to do with it. So your thoughts are your thoughts, use the thought bubble and then detach from that. And then, then we're sort of starting to get the gears going on, you know, help, helping this kid. So big D, how do you big D Donna Fisher assist athletes in learning to change their thoughts so they don't get derailed? Dean, there's so many different, there's so many different directions you can go with this and so many different tools and so on and so forth out there. Again, with all my, my reading and, and things that I've learned, I spend quite a bit of time in conversations with athletes asking these three questions. And I stay consistent. I don't change it. I stay consistent with these questions so that then over time, they can start asking themselves these questions. Like this is the tool. So first is, okay, I have a thought. The first bullet point question is, is this true? So the thought is, you know, they sky it over the crossbar. Oh, I, I can't shoot. Okay, well, let's hit the pause button. Is that true? Like there's multiple answers to this. Uh, well, today, well, that one, it's true. You didn't, you didn't score that one. You, you hit it over the crossbar. That's true. Okay, but you can't shoot. Is that true? Well, the answer is no. Like nine times out of 10, you know, I hit that shot or I hit, you know, I scored five of those yesterday in practice, right? So you start, you start getting them to process really the truth about what's going on and their thought. Now, kind of follow-up to that is, if I believe this is true, if I believe I can't shoot, how is this changing who I am right now? How is this changing my next actions again? And most of the time, right, this kid's gonna realize, hey, this isn't gonna help me. But if I don't believe, right, if I don't believe this thought, Again, the thought is I can't shoot. 
if you don't believe that, then who could you be right now? What could change moving forward, right? So is this true is sort of the first, the first point, the first question. The second question is what do I need? And simply a lot of times for me, this, this answer is, is the same. We have to learn how to give ourselves some self-compassion. And it doesn't mean going easy on ourselves or that we don't want to be excellent. It's just, hey, can you care for yourself in this moment? Again, trying to give players, I am always trying to give players personal power. Show them that they have inside of themselves what they need to, to do anything. But we, they don't have to constantly be looking for the good jobs or the external. It's nice, but they can, right? Maybe they need, you know, a pat on the back. Well, are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait for somebody to do that for you when you can, you can do it for yourself, right? Have some self-confession. So is this true? What do I need? And then the third is pivot. Pivot with this thought. I can't shoot. Okay, if this thought is not helping you right now, pivot. And the reason why I chose the word pivot is because Susan David wrote the book, Emotional Agility. I love that phrase, that, that term, agility. Athletes understand that word, agility. Speed and agility work, it's moving, it's changing, it's about changing direction. So mental and emotional agility is what we're trying to teach athletes, what I'm trying to teach athletes. It's if I have a thought, and it's not helping me, and it's not true, it's not necessarily true, I want to pivot. I want to change direction and think another thought, right? Because it comes down to the law of attraction also. Law of attraction says, if I have a negative thought, it's going to attract another negative thought. If I have a positive thought, it's going to attract another you know, positive thought. So this pivot piece is super important. And they have to know that they have the ability to do this uh, the personal power to do this on their own. Donna Fister is part of the training ground. You can find her at Donna Fister. That's Donna, F-I-S-H-T-E-R.com. She has submitted an article for January called What I Teach Athletes About Thoughts and Feelings. So let's get into feelings. How do feelings fit into this big D? Because usually thoughts create feelings and feelings create thoughts. 100%, 100% agree, Dean. So how I move towards feelings and and there's lots more pieces to this that you know if they if you read the article you'll get more bits and pieces but the questions are similar to to what I just talked about with thoughts uh, the only one that's different is the first one so because asking if a feeling is true I mean feelings there's there's a reason why somebody has a feeling and usually there's you need to lean into it and process it a bit but the first question is what is the specific feeling? So I think all human beings, no matter what, what age we are, we're, there's like this top five emotions that are, I call the go-to emotions. It, it, it's, you know, I'm angry, frustrated, I'm sad, happy, right? It's just, you can't, you can't cram the human experience into five emotions. We're bigger than that. It's wider than that. It's deeper than that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask questions. If I'm in a meeting with a kid, I'm gonna try to get them to the specific feeling they're having. So for example, 
Uh, and again, I, I'm doing this so that the kid, the, the, the player, the athlete can do this on their own. So it's, okay, I'm fresh, I'm, I'm angry. Okay, can we peel back the layers? And if we land on, I'm lonely, whoa, right? If you go from angry and, and, and kind of ask some questions and process it and get back to lonely, wow. I can, I can do, I can manage that now. I can navigate that a bit better because angry is just very wide. But if I can get down to the narrow, hey, I'm lonely and it's, it's making me frustrated and angry, then, then we can help that athlete. I can help the athlete. Then that athlete can help themselves a little bit better, right? So we have to... I think as a society start to get a little bit narrow into what the, is the specific feeling I'm having? Second question is the same, what do I need? Again, the personal power of providing for yourself what you need. And then the third is the pivot. It's okay, do I want to keep feeling this right now? I'm not saying ignore it. What I'm saying is you may have to hit the pause button on it in order to come back at a better time to process it, right? And so do you need to hit the pause button and pivot your perspective in the moment so that you don't derail and can sort of, you know, stay moving forward in, in a, positive, a positive direction? Before we pivot to what you're doing at the convention, let's put a bow on this article for the training ground called What I Teach Athletes About thoughts and feelings. And what I'd like to do, Donna Fister, simply is what do you want people to get out of this article? Yeah, I think it's, Dean, it's always, okay, we've, we've got to make things simple for athletes that they can implement easily inside of a training session. And we have to help uh, weave that into our own training session. So I'll teach coaches, look, if you see some of your players frustrated in a drill, stop the drill and say, okay, what are you, what are you thinking right now? Right? What are you feeling? If you see a kid as they're going back to the back of the line because they just you know, made a mistake, I'll come up next to them, right? Whisper in their ear, okay, what are you thinking? Is it true? So I'll use these three questions inside of a training session to try to get them get them to realize they can go it's available to them whenever they need it and I'll try to help help them with that you know in the moment and I mean bottom line making it easy simple but it's it's always showing the player that they have the personal power to provide for themselves what they need and it's 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 just in simple terms that all right. I can't wait for folks to read that in January on all the training ground outlets. You get a preview on this show here, the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Once again, the article is called What I Teach Athletes About Thoughts and Feelings. As I mentioned, she will also be a presenter at the convention on Friday at 1.30 in room CC103AB. The topic is called Staying Inspired Through the Harsh Realities and BS in Coaching. <laughs> Yeah, and you've written a description. Normally, I would steal your thunder and read it myself, but I'd like you to read the description because I feel like you'll be more impactful reading it. Can you go ahead and do that, Big D? Yeah, yeah, I'll read it. Coaches are struggling 
let's be real. Many consider leaving this procession or profession due to a lack of support, while players in youth college and the pros seem to have an open mic on social media or with the powers that be, air quotes. While there is context to everything, the truth is our industry is suffering. Coaches are discouraged and tired. Who is caring for coaches? Join me and be re-energized to keep doing what you're called to do amidst the chaos. Learn routines to keep you grounded and pick up some tips and tricks on how to have players take ownership of their own stuff. Then you say refuel, reconnect, reignite your passion to coach. Put a bow on that as well, as I think people will be excited to go to this session. Again, called Staying Inspired Through the Harsh Realities and BS in Coaching. It's Friday, the week of the convention, 1.30, CC103AB. Again, you end with refuel, reconnect, reignite your passion to coach. Yeah, I mean, the bow would be this. First off, just being a college coach, like I I was a college coach for 13 years. I know the schedule. I know the crazy recruiting. You're always on 24 hours, camps. Like there's there's never an off time. And so there needs to be moments. There can be a routine that you put in place to... To stay in, ready, to stay inspired, to stay excited every day you go to the office, right? Because let's face it, just like athletes, you're not motivated some days. You're, you're not, uh, you get tired. And so I want to offer some ideas there. But bottom line, Dean, look, there's craziness happening right now. There's craziness happening uh, in, in coaching. And, and I'll just say this. I have good coaches, good coaches that are coming to me and saying, wow, I don't know if I want to stay in this profession because it is so hard now with just dealing with the millennials, the the perspectives, the misperceptions, things being twisted and changed and uh, admin trying their best, but seems like they're leaning towards players and I'm four players. I'm four coaches. We're losing right now, and we're going to lose more good coaches. And you said it in the very beginning. Coaches are the most influential people in young people's lives. And I would say young people, college, and you know, professionals now are, are young, just out of college, professional players. And so I want, I want to help, I want to care for coaches. That's what, that's what I want to do. In my session, I want to care for coaches who are facing harsh realities in, in their job right now. And obviously the BS is the bullshit, Dean, the <laughs> bullshit. That's allowed on this podcast. Again, that's on Friday, 1.30 CC, 103 AB, staying inspired through the harsh realities and BS in coaching. She's not done there as four brilliant minds will collaborate on Saturday, 3.30. That's in CC room 108. Alongside Big D, Donna Fisher, they'll have three other people that have been on the podcast, Dan Abrahams, Paul McVeigh, and Dr. Rachel Linval. The name of that topic is how to create a healthy and psychologically safe environment for players. We've got about three minutes remaining. You have the floor to tell people why they should attend this one again called how to create a healthy and psychologically safe environment for players. 
it's important, right? This is, uh, I mean, Google did a five-year study and on on great teams, and uh, one of the the top reasons uh, or what's needed for great teams is is for people to feel psychologically safe in the environment. And the greatest human needs are safety, mattering, belonging. So what can we do as coaches to make sure that players coming from all different backgrounds, um, different personalities, different aspirations, how do they feel collectively safe with us, like with their teammates, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Because when somebody feels safe, they're going to be a higher performer. They're, they're, they feel valued. They're going to, they're going to play better. That's right. They're going to be better, a better person. They're going to play better. And so I think uh, the four of us all, all have different niches, different uh, backgrounds. And we talked about kind of just having it be like a little banter session between the, the four of us, uh, sort of like the audience is sort of, just in the room watching us banter or listening to us banter. And then, you know, taking some questions, obviously, but uh, we thought about doing it that way. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. That'll be interesting because somebody has got to have the soccer ball and these are four big time talented people in Donna Pister, Dan Abrahams, Paul McVeigh, Dr. Rachel Linval. Again, that is on Saturday, 3:30 CC 108. It's called how to create a healthy and psychologically safe environment for players with four brilliant people. I want to remind me on Friday, 1:30 CC 103 AB. She already broke down her convention topic called staying inspired through the harsh realities and BS in coaching. That was on point. And we began our interview with Big D, Donna Fisher, with her article for the training ground covering everything with Big D, reminding you that that will be out in January, and it's called What I Teach Athletes About Thoughts and Feelings. You can learn all about Big D by going to Donna Fisher, F-I-S-H-T-E-R.com. Got time for Big D all day, every day, especially on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Big D, thanks for sharing your wisdom. Love it, Dean. Love it, as always. I'll see you in Philly, okay? Absolutely. Okay, Marguerite Awazasa in the books and Donna Fister coming up. Another powerful woman and Becky Burley, longtime coach at Florida where she won a national championship. She is now a part of What Drives Winning. You can learn more about what Becky is doing at whatdriveswinning.com. She will be a part of four presentations at the convention kind of all of them built around the what drives winning message. The great Becky Burley when we return. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Always great to have a familiar face return, Becky Burley, a favorite among coaches, a favorite among fans, a favorite at the convention where she will be there in a big, big way. And Becky Burley joins me now to promote her What Drives Winning platform, which will be featured essentially in all four of her presentations at the convention. And Becky Burley, What Drives Winning, of course, the national champion head coach at Florida. Need to remind everybody about that as well. Becky, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, Dean? I'm, I'm looking forward to taking a little rest before this busy convention schedule. I know it's going to be here before you know it as we're right in the middle of the holiday season. Then, boom, here comes the convention, which is like having a second holiday, as we all know that uh, those of us that love soccer and love helping coaches. And obviously, Becky, you do love that. I want to remind everybody that you can find more about What Drives Winning by going to whatdriveswinning.com. You can learn how do you build an environment where people can do their best work. You'll learn about what drives winning environments, what drives winning teams, what's really important. Again, all with a red hot focus on what drives winning, which is just brilliant, I think. Now, you get started on Thursday. Your first session is called How to Systemize a Character Development Program in Your Environment. That's Thursday, 1 to 2 at the convention. Can you break down that opening session for you, Becky, on Thursday? Yeah, you know, I think this is such an important topic because even I, who I felt like all through my career, had a real big focus on character development in my program, but I really didn't know how to systematize it until I linked up with Brett Ledbetter from What Drives Winning. And he really showed me a great way of kind of incorporating it on a regular basis in my environment. And I think that helped me. It sort of changed everything in some ways because it gave structure to what I was trying to do already, but I didn't have the structure to kind of put it in place. It felt like it felt like before that it was just a lot of one-offs that may or may not have been connected with one another. And um, trying to systematize it is something that I think can help all coaches. Now, in this first one called How to Systemize a Character Development Program in Your Environment, Thursday 1 to 2, is anybody joining you, Becky Burley? Yeah, I think we are going to have a couple of guests. Um, I know that the the guys from St. Louis, Scott Gallagher, Ralph Richards and Scott McDaniel have been doing this in their club. Um, we may have Randy Waldrum joining us, who has, I mean, done an amazing job with the Pittsburgh women's team. Um, and I just think that so many people are doing this at a pretty high level and trying to share that message with other coaches is really important. All right. Friday, you have a busy day. You have three sessions, essentially back to back to back with just a little bit of rest between the first one and the second one and no rest between the second and the third one. I think that shows a lot about your passion for what drives winning. On Friday from 11 to 12, the title is called The Hidden Opponent, Deconstructing the Challenges that Elite Coaches Face in Dealing with the modern athlete. That is real time right now, right here. <laughs> Becky, break that one down. It is. I mean, you know, when you think about the modern athlete, I think about it like, you know, even three years ago, things were different than they are now. I mean, we have such challenges, particularly at the college level, because you've got NIL, which has come into the system recently, and that's really impacted a lot of teams in different ways. We have the transfer portal, which, I mean, the numbers, when you look at the number of kids in the transfer portal in any sport is so high. And so um, all of that becomes opponents that maybe coaches didn't have when they signed up for 
coaching in the beginning. And so there's just a lot of hidden opponents that I think we need to bring to the forefront so that coaches can have the tools to be able to deal with those. You did mention that the CEO for United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen, loved this topic, the hidden opponent. He's all in on this one, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we haven't even touched upon like another whole topic in this section is mental health or mental wellness of athletes, you know, and it's it's probably not just an athlete perspective. But I do think that, you know, in general, our young people have so many things pulling at their attention and so many things, whether those are people, whether those are things, whether those are social media, all that kind of stuff. I mean, those are things that the modern athlete are dealing with that we never dealt with coming up. And so those opponents are things that coaches really have to get familiar with in order to reach their athletes. You're hearing the incredible passion and wisdom of the great Becky Burley, What Drives Winning. Her second session, as I just mentioned, Friday, 11 to 12, The Hidden Opponent, Deconstructing the Challenges that Elite Coaches Face in Dealing with the Modern Athlete. She's only getting rolling as she's got two more on Friday. The next one's Friday, 1.30 to 3. It's kind of a workshop round table with What Drives Winning Leaders and you're going to try to help coaches by introducing tools to create meaningful conversations with athletes. Can you tell me about some of those tools that you're going to touch on, Becky? Yeah, this is a really interesting one to me uh, because I think that there are times where coaches will say, you know, I don't really have time to present to my team on, say, character development or things like that. But having these meaningful conversations can take place in a lot of different spaces, a lot of small spaces, you know, on the bus, at a meal, um, on the way, walk out to the field, all these kind of things. And I think what's so interesting is, is that as coaches, we have been taught to tell, tell, tell. Like that's basically the model in which we've been brought up. But the athletes have so many tellers in their lives that they don't need another teller, nor do they probably want another teller. So if we can kind of learn the tools to ask, listen, and observe, I think that's where you can get some meaningful connection with your athletes. And meaningful connection is a premium right now because there are so many voices. And if you're going to continue to be an influential voice in your athletes' lives, having meaningful connection is really important. Paint a picture for me since this is a workshop roundtable, what drives winning leaders, who else will be at that roundtable, Becky? Well, I think what we're going to do with this one, it's probably going to be Brett and I, and we have this guy, Zach Sheets, that's been working with us. Zach's got a really interesting background in that he's a principal of an alternative school. Now, why that's interesting is because consequences don't really work at an alternative school. These kids are already, you know, not in a regular school. They don't really care about school. And so how do you reach those people who by some people are deemed unreachable, you know? Um, and so I think sometimes with our athletes, because there is the option of the transfer portal or making decisions that change their environment so easily, this is a good way to start to create those, uh, that influential path that you can have with an athlete that's not power-based. You're not telling them to do something. You're asking them for their perspective and you're influencing them into the behaviors that you're trying to create as standards on your team. For those of you that want to punch their ticket on the Becky Burley, what drives winning crusade on Friday, remember 11 to 12, the hidden opponent, then at 1:30 to three, the workshop round table, what drives winning leaders. And then she's not done. That one ends at three and then three 15 to four 15. I hope the rooms are the same room or you don't have to go very far. It's like you and you know, me both. Yeah. Catching an airplane <laughs> at a busy airport, but at three 15 to four 15, it's called receiving and giving feedback, creating perspective and modeling the importance of receiving feedback as a coach 
along with the challenges of delivering feedback to the modern athlete. For example, the transfer portal, you kind of touched a little bit on that, on the hidden opponent, but I feel like in this one, you're going to go deeper with receiving and giving feedback. Well, it's funny, you know, because uh, a lot of coaches have, you know, exit interviews that occur with their players. And when you get that information back, you know, kind of like you really only want the good stuff that they're saying, not necessarily the, the criticism. But then you think about that and, you know, we're asking our players to receive criticism from us quite often. Um, and that's something that we need to model to them if we're going to be healthy in terms of showing them what receiving that looks like. The second part of this session is about how do you create perspective of your athletes so that you can give them the feedback that they may or may not need. And I think that's really important because delivering feedback to a modern athlete has to be done in a way that they can accept it. Otherwise, you're probably going to have a line out your door in terms of the transfer portal or people that are unhappy. And I think this becomes such a, an important skill right now in this environment because of, you know, administrations wanting to gather feedback from their athletes about, you know, what's happening in the relationship with the coach and the athlete and the team and what it looks like in terms of you being able to deliver that feedback in an effective way that actually affects change. Now on that one, are you flying solo or are you also going to bring in some other key people for that one as well, Becky? That's going to be interesting. We haven't really quite decided on that one yet, but I mean, for sure, um, you know, Zach, the, who I just mentioned has been, he's had a ton of experience in this. Um, you know, Brett is doing this on a daily basis at the highest levels with, you know, football and athletic directors and all sorts of people in the athletic world in different sports, not just soccer. And I think that perspective is really healthy for us to hear about. All right. Again, you can find more about all of this by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. And you can find out more about what drives winning by simply going to whatdriveswinning.com. Again, that's whatdriveswinning.com. I feel like repetition is information. So I want to remind you that Becky Burley and What Drives Winning will have four sessions, one on Thursday, that one, one to two, how to systemize a character development program in your environment. Then on Friday, a triple header, the hidden opponent from Friday, 11 to 12. Then to have a workshop roundtable, What Drives Winning Leaders, helping coaches introduce tools to create meaningful conversations with athletes. And she'll wrap up that triple header at 315 on Friday with receiving and giving feedback, creating perspective and modeling the importance of receiving feedback as a coach, along with the challenges of delivering feedback to the modern athlete. Two really busy days, Becky, but I've seen you at the convention. You're all about it. You're approachable. What else do you want to take in at the convention, Becky? Man, I, I feel like I'm so busy giving sessions. I want more time to go to sessions because there are so many good sessions. Like that's the challenge of the convention for me is like how to pick and choose what to go to because I mean, the field sessions are amazing. The classroom sessions are amazing. Some of the interviews and panels um, have some guests that just can drop knowledge at the drop of a hat. I mean, it's one of those things that I try to explain to people in other sports, what the soccer coaches convention is like. And I've been to other coaches conventions and it's, it's just not really comparable. So I think we should not take for granted the educational opportunity that the convention provides all of us every year. And the fact that it's every year, you can really be topical with what you take in and based on the challenges you're having. And I, I would say this, you know, coaches right now, it's a really, really hard job, really hard job. 
and it's a different job than what they probably signed up for. So being able to refresh your skill set or just get inspired by some of these amazing speakers that are on the docket, man, what an opportunity. Becky, I'm going to sound like a sycophant, but I'm not. I just say it like I hear it, say it like I see it. And I will tell you that almost every time when I ask people, even some of these 30 under 30 athletes that we usually interview on the podcast, I'll say, what are you most looking forward to the convention? And almost one out of every two say, well, I definitely want to go to the sessions. I'm looking forward to the networking, but they almost always say it's a chance for me to talk to Anson Dorrance and Becky Burley. Like you're always in that. They always drop your name, Becky. And <laughs> I feel like, I feel like this, what drives winning after you did retire from Florida has created this new invigoration for everything you are and everything you're about. Is that fair to say? I do really enjoy it. You know, people ask me all the time, like, since I've gotten out of coaching, like, do you miss it? And of course, like, I mean, there are things you miss. There's people you miss for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it gives me um, a way to explore not just soccer, but all sorts of different sports in terms of um, the way that they're trying to relate to the modern athlete. And, you know, like soccer, we are lucky because we have a pretty good following, um, obviously globally, but even our college soccer and our youth soccer, I mean, it's it's really, really popular in this country. Um, but the spotlight isn't on us as it is maybe in like, you know, D1 power five football or men's basketball at the NCAA tournament. And when you sit down and you listen to some of these coaches and the, the challenges that they face, those are all coming to soccer too. At some point they are coming to soccer if they're not already here. I mean, we've already seen some of them uh, as they've been passed down. But I think that um, getting ahead of those as a coach is a really important part of your continuing development. And what used to work might not work anymore. And being able to um, have the humility to see that and to be willing to execute that is something like, I, I, I think about it like this, Dean. Okay, if, if I can identify, like, let's say I'm an administrator and I identify that this coach is having a, you know, maybe an issue connecting with their athletes. Okay, but are you creating a solution or are you just identifying the problem? And I think that's the difference. It's like, okay, we can all point out problems. Everybody's pretty good at that. But how do you create solutions? And I think that's what I would have wanted when I was a younger coach was a way to go somewhere and get solutions to the problems that I was facing. And I think our convention provides that along with the ability to just, you know, interact with people who have had a lot of experience ahead of them. I mean, shoot, we can all learn from people ahead of us, but it's also nice to, from my perspective, to walk alongside people that, you know, I've been peers with forever, and then hopefully pass things on to the next generation of coaches that are coming up that are going to do even bigger and better things. Because you were a coach and now you're presenting all the time for what drives winning, you know the power of a segue. Coming up next, I am somebody I think you know very well, Celia Slater, the CEO <laughs> and chief visionary for True North Sports. She'll be on to talk about her mentoring circles, which is uh, advanced diploma as well. I'm excited to hear what Celia has to say. You probably know more than anybody oh, how man. excited she that, is. That is one of my favorite sessions. Of, I'm actually part of that session too. Um, and that is an amazing session because you can't pay for the ability to sit down in an hour with the number of coaches that are in that room, both on the men's side and the women's side that have such amazing experience. And just, you can literally ask them anything you want. 
And I just feel like that's a, that's a missed opportunity if you don't have that on your schedule, because it's one of my favorite sessions of the entire convention. Great power of the segue there, Becky Burley. I can have you on anytime you want. Check her out again at whatdriveswinning.com and definitely check her out multiple times at the convention. Becky, always a pleasure. Happy holidays, and we'll see you in Philadelphia at the convention. See you soon. Thanks, Dean. And as promised, when we return, we'll be joined by Celia Slater from True North Sports. You can learn more about her at truenorthsports.net. She is coordinating the assistant coach diploma sessions, which includes the session that we just talked about with her wife, Becky Burley, called Mentoring Circles with Top College Coaches. Celia Slater, CEO and Chief Visionary of True North Sports, coming up next. United Soccer Coaches' advanced diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where we just heard Becky Burley give an amazing segue to Celia Slater, the CEO and Chief Visionary of True North Sports. You can check out more by going to True northsports.net and of course she's the perfect person to give this segue because those of us that know and love becky and celia know they've been together for a long time and in 2023 we'll celebrate their fifth anniversary which is super exciting as well all exciting and with that i'm excited to welcome in celia slater welcome celia thanks dean it's so great to be here i'm getting excited about convention yeah, everybody is. So is Becky. And Becky, I couldn't ask for a better person to give the segue to our visit. That was pretty cool, too, Celia. Yeah, no, she's very kind and, <laughs> and amazing. No, honestly, I know I'm so, so biased, but I feel like she was one of the best type of coach. She's kind of like the model coach that we are aspiring to develop through the convention programming. But also, I'm not I'm sure you're aware. I also have another hat where I'm kind of the educational director for the coach credentialing program, which is a whole nother thing we have going on. But today we're here to talk about the assistant coach diploma. And I've been doing this diploma now, I think, gosh, at least nine years, maybe for Jeff, for United Soccer Coaches at the convention. It's really a diploma that's based on helping develop our younger coaches in their position as an assistant, like how do we help them become a better assistant coach? But then beyond that, maybe help them prepare to become a head coach if that is part of their career aspirations. And a key part of it is a session called, quote, mentoring circles with 
top college coaches, and you have some awesome people coming to be mentors for that session on both the men's and women's side, which Becky also mentioned. So you really want to try to get the word out about it. So let's do it right now, Sheila. Let's get the word out about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So this mentoring circle session, honestly, if you're a assistant coach or maybe a, a head coach that just really wants to meet some of these people and just be in an intimate setting with them. So I'm going to tell you how we run this session so you get a feel for it. And basically, we're at round tables. We put one of these mentors at every table. We ask a question. You talk about that question for 10 minutes at a table. Then at the end of that 10 minutes, the mentors stand up. They rotate to the next table. So probably within the time of this session, you would probably have the opportunity to meet four or five of these top coaches, but they're all going to be sticking around and mingling with you all at the end of the session. It's really kind of a cool setting because you get to actually sit at a round table and talk to people. And maybe some of these people you may or may not bump into at the convention or have a chance to be with them in such close proximity and have some really great conversations. You know, it's interesting because I feel like mentoring is an important fabric of United Soccer Coaches, and obviously this is all about it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's funny because I didn't do this session for several years, and it's like I've had a lot of coaches say to me, what happened to that session? I loved that session. Thanks to my my really dear friend, Bob Warming, uh, who's now retired. Um, I want to thank him for his help and reaching out and connecting with some of the top men's coaches that were so wonderful and willing to be a part of this, this program. So let me just share a few of these amazing mentors that have been willing to give their time. So we have Becky Burley, who's a retired soccer coach from the University of Florida on the women's side. We have Mike Brown, who's the head coach at Iowa Western Men's Soccer, who won the national championship for the in the junior college, uh, two-year college world. We have Todd Yegley from Indiana University, who was just in championship game. No big deal, right? I mean, come <laughs> on. And, and Todd's willing to give his time. Bo Ashoni from Dartmouth is going to be joining us. Donovan Dowling from University of Nebraska, Omaha, because we really want to try to represent all the levels, the different divisions. Kate Holton from Grand Valley State University. She's the new head coach at Grand Valley, had an amazing year there. And then we have Brian Penske from Florida State University, G. Guerrera, um, Texas A&M, Jen Klein from University of Michigan, Marguerite Awazasa, the head coach from UCLA, who's just coming off of winning a national championship in her first year as a head coach. And all of these people said yes. And so I'm just amazed of this group that we have coming for this mentoring circle session. So how expansive is it? Is it multiple sessions over the course of the convention? Is it all done on one day and one particular pod time? Well, See this this is one session. And this session takes place on January the 12th from 4 to 5.30. So January the 12th from 4 to 5.30. Perfect. And do you happen to know what room it's in? Convention Center 113 A and B. 
Convention Center 113 A and B. All right. And as part of this all important diploma, are there some other sessions that people need to be aware of, Celia? There are actually 10 sessions that are a part of this program. And I just want to say, like the speakers that we have, these are fantastic sessions for coach development, for the coaches to really get some information to grow. Plain and simple. We always have time for anything you have to say, Celia. And I mean that sincerely. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dean. So the first session, this one is the new rules of athletic engagement, how to gain loyalty and influence. This is with our friend, Todd Lewis, and he's going to be teaching new how to do empathetic listening to really connect with your student athletes. It's going to be a fantastic session about how to become a better listener and connector. The next session that I want to talk about strategies for connecting and coaching this generation, that's going to be Teresa Beckman, who I know you've met, Dean. She's one of my coworkers. Her nickname is Tree Beckman. She is a generational expert, and she's going to be talking about how do you want to lead this group specifically as a coach? Great information there. And the next session is your career forward. Get what you want in your career. This is with Julie Bauke. Julie Bauke has helped us create the career advancement toolkit that's on your training ground website. She's an amazing career strategist. You will get, if you're looking for a job or you think you're going to be looking for a job, you need to go to Julie's session at the convention. Then we have our mentoring circles, which we've talked a lot about. And then Dr. Tiffany Jones is doing two sessions for us, developing emotional consciousness and, and coaches and players for consistent soccer performance. We have incorporating mental skills training into practices. Tiff is doing those two sessions for us. Awesome. One thing you might know about Tiff, she's a sports psychologist, but she also just completed a year and a half of training with Deepak Chopra's well-being coach certification. So she's really implementing a lot of the things that she learned through that program into her sessions. Then the next one we want to talk about is the role of the assistant coach in developing team culture. That's Tree Beckman as well. She's a team culture expert, and she's going to talk specifically, what can you do as an assistant coach to enhance your team culture? Because you're not in charge of the team culture, the head coach is. So how do you have a role in developing the team culture? This one's a really interesting session too. Career choices, choosing experiences over titles with Becky and Sarah Loudon, who is the assistant coach for the Houston Dash now. But Sarah has a really fascinating story. Her path to getting to the Houston Dash is incredible. So if you're really trying to figure out your career path and you're not really sure you got to go and, and check out this session with Becky and Sarah and just see what Sarah did to achieve her goals. What was she willing to do to get to where she is right now? I love Sarah's story, so I'm glad you're really plugging that. Keep going, though, Celia. Yeah, no, for sure. And then we have a couple sessions with Mandy Green, who is just this amazing person to help you become more organized and more efficient. If you need some systems, so she's going to do the recruiting DNA of championship programs. She works with Dan Tudor. And so her and Dan Tudor go across the country and teach programs how to get their recruiting organized 
but also to create like a marketing portfolio for their school that helps you recruit people to your program. So Mandy Green, Recruiting DNA of Championship Programs. And then the next session she's doing is called Get Organized, How to Leverage Your Time and Multiply Results as an Assistant. We're covering just about everything here, Dean, from how to be a better listener, culture, understanding this generation, getting organized, career path, career mapping. If you're looking for career uh, interview help uh, with Julie Bauke, like we've got it all covered in this diploma. So I highly recommend you check it out and join us for these sessions. Great breakdown. Celia Slater, the CEO and Chief Visionary of True North Sports. You can learn more about her at truenorthsports.net. I also encourage you to go to unitedsoccercoaches.org, go to convention, plug in Celia Slater, and you'll see all of these great sessions that she's tied to. At the end of the day, just like Becky Burley, it feels like your association with United Soccer Coaches, and I know you have several other clients, but I can tell this one is really important to you, Celia. I love United Soccer Coaches. It's always been one of my favorite coaches associations to be associated with, or I wouldn't have been, I've been working with with the United Soccer Coaches now for, gosh, it's got to be at least 11 or 12 years. Like I, as long as I've known Becky, I've been involved and I absolutely love the organization, their vision, their commitment to excellence and really serving their coaches and helping their coaches become better. That's amazing to me. And I love Jeff. I love Jeff's vision for the association. So anything I can do to support the association, I think Becky would say the same thing, anything we can do to support helping coaches have more fulfillment and thrive in their profession. We're all about it. And I want to end with you repeating the reason for the name True North Sports, because I love the explanation, Celia. Remind everybody again why you chose that great name. Because I believe we all have an inner compass. And sometimes we lose touch with that inner compass. But we have to really get to know what that inner compass is. Like, what is our values? What is our guiding values for our inner compass? and to honor those values, and to trust ourselves, trust our inner compass, and follow it throughout our career and in our personal lives as well. Amen. Full stop. Celia Slater, like I told Becky, you're welcome anytime on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, because you always bring so much wisdom, so much passion, so much information. Thank you so much for being on this edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dean. For big time women doing big time things in the game we love. I want to thank all of our guests. Also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, and the entire gang at United Soccer Coaches. And of course, I cannot forget my producer, Colin Thrash. And of course, I want to thank you, all of our great members. I will see you in Philadelphia. In the meantime, I'll also see you next Thursday for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Happy New Year to all of you, and here's to a great 2023. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all.